Maine, a place where you can find breathtaking scenery from sandy beaches, ice-capped mountains, and pristine lakes. A place you can enjoy a delicious lobster while sipping on one of Maine's finest craft brews and saving room for a blueberry pie. But the one thing many people may not know about Maine is the artistry and craftsmanship that comes with the culture of this beautiful state. From the Industrial Revolution to now, Maine has continued to build its economy through makers, and there are hundreds of them. Maine has makers that can handcraft a high-quality piece of wood furniture where the joinery fits like a glove. So a skirt made with plant-based fabric with a New England-made machine that was invented in 1881. Make a mean mustard through a cold grind process made in the same mill since 1900, and much more. Join me for a journey through the lives of makers from across Maine to hear how they get down with their craft. I'm Christian Vermeulen, and this is Makers of Maine. I was walking around Portland the other day with my daughter and enjoying the beautiful weather, and we stumbled upon this lovely maker's market on East End. I saw so many unique Maine-made pieces, from art to food to woodworking and so much more. As I was talking to the vendors there, they informed me of how this market gives them positivity and hope to keep their craft alive during this pandemic. And the ones who organized this fabulous event is Maine Crafts Association. If you've never heard of Maine Crafts Association or MCA, they are an organization that help bring together craftspeople from all over the state. I reached out to this wonderful team a couple of months back to see if I could help in any way of spreading the love of craft and to promote their members who have compelling stories. Emily Schaefer, the program coordinator for MCA, told me about their big annual event, Minecraft's Weekend. I'm sure all you listeners out there already know about this event, but at the time, I had no idea what this was, as I've only lived in Maine for about three years now. And after hearing more about the event, I thought, well, why not promote it through the podcast and give these makers a voice? I want to give people a virtual glimpse of what this event is all about and to feel like they're a part of it. I knew we were going through some challenging times and some people aren't too comfortable going out in public and some people are. I hope this interview series paints a nice picture of what craft in Maine is all about. And I hope you can visit these wonderful makers I have interviewed for the series real soon. Again, Minecraft's weekend is October 3rd and 4th. So please celebrate virtually or go out and explore comfortably by practicing social distance guidelines. And so let's get to it. Now, let's talk about Minecraft's Association and Minecraft's Weekend with Sadie Bliss, Executive Director of MCA, and Emily Schaefer, Program Coordinator of MCA. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for uh, just being a partner for my podcast and really showcasing your Minecraft weekend and Minecraft association in general. Thanks for having us. So I'm speaking to Emily and Sadie who are, um, who are a big part of, uh, this, you know, Minecraft weekend. And I wanted to get to know a little bit more about the Minecraft association as well as the event itself. So can you guys tell me a little bit more about, uh, Minecraft association and how you support makers? Sure. This is Sadie. Um, I'm the executive director of the Maine Crafts Association. I've been here for about 12 years and the Maine Crafts Association has been a nonprofit arts organization supporting craft artists with educational marketing and retail opportunities since the 1980s, actually. And we've got about uh, 600 members and also a lot of additional artists in our community who participate um, in just a couple events, but aren't 
members, increasing that number of people that we work with. And then um, through our two retail galleries, Maincraft Portland in Portland and the Center for Maincraft in West Gardner, we interact with over 100,000, up to 200,000 um, visitors who stop in to shop and learn about other activities going on in the state and just learn about Maincraft in general. And we also offer a variety of types of craft shows from small markets to high-end indoor shows. Of course, um, some of those indoor shows are on a hiatus in 2020, along with um, um, several of the other things that I'll mention. We also do um, a lot of education for artists, either in-studio education, we have a program up at Haystack, or um, professional development, where we um, bring in members of our um, community and beyond to uh, work with artists and help them develop their businesses. We have a uh, uh, one of our newer programs is a fashion show working with a you know just a specific branch of craft artists who are making wearables and part of the slow fashion movement. So some of our programs are really specific like that. And um, some of the things that we that are new right now because of um, kind of the the changes this year in, in 2020 are um, a, pro, a, a market called East End Vend, which is just a small market in Portland for artists, farmers, and foodies. That's kind of a pop-up twice a week and a little bit of a more low-key uh, event for us that's been really fun and popular. Emily, who you'll hear from soon, uh, did a huge campaign called Source and Buy. And that was really when people were deep in quarantine and, and staying home and we were able to kind of connect artists and their audiences when we weren't able to offer our other normal things. And then we just launched our first uh, online store called Shop Maincraft, which has been a, a long time coming, but it's uh, basically getting all of the products that we have in those retail galleries that are from more than 400 artists um, onto an online shopping capacity. So in general, throughout the year, we're offering um, events that are connecting artists and the public or supporting artists in their businesses. And um, then we also tie in um, other kind of nonprofit activities like fundraising and annual appeals and all that side of things to keep it all going. And we've got some great supporters and sponsors that help us with that. Wow. It sounds like you guys are very busy. <laughs> Do you guys have a big staff um, that's a part of your association to kind of get all these programs together and, you know, successfully execute them? I wouldn't call it a big staff. Right now we've got seven. Um, we're down a lot of our sales associates in the stores because uh, we just don't have the, the hours or the sales to support them. But um, at times we get up to 20 but a lot of those people are um, on a very like limited capacity hourly basis. So our core staff, like uh, the managers essentially are like seven to 10 folks. Wow. And I'm sure members of yours are super grateful for all of these programs and events that you put together. Do you happen to, um, can you share a little story about a member that's been super grateful of your services and just um, has been involved in your association for a long time? Somebody who comes to mind just because I saw her last weekend at East End Vend is Catherine Worthington. She's a textile artist in Brunswick, and she has participated in many different ways from having kind of um, sort of products that um, 
a tourist might buy at Center for Maine Craft, all the way up to being in our high-end craft shows with her um, really intricate work that's um, for the for the wall kind of quilt, quilted wall pieces, and um, she's just always kind of touching throughout all of our programs. She does Maine Craft Weekend and and she was part of Source and Buy, and she was just really expressing last weekend that she was really grateful that um, we kind of whipped together this East End vend. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily always be the type of thing that she would be able to fit in, but um, she felt like it was kind of a good um, opportunity during this time. And it was just a great way to kind of get back out into the community mm-hmm. where a lot of people are having a hard time committing to, or, you know, a three-day craft show is canceled or an artist and audience aren't ready to deal with that. But mm-hmm. a four-hour thing on a Friday afternoon, you can do it. It kind of gives you an opportunity to test out how that, how that feels now and if um, we can start growing to bigger things or just if those smaller things can get us through this time. Right. And she's been a member, I think, as long as I've been here, maybe longer. And that's another cool thing is, um, I mean, I've been here for 12 years, but we have members who have, are founding members and they're still participating regularly. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm sure they're enjoying the nice weather outside during that, um, that event. And just, and I hope that continues, especially when it gets a little colder. We're in really crazy times right now. And it's great that you guys are organizing such great events and programs to keep these guys afloat and keep doing their craft. So let's talk about Maine Craft Weekend. Uh, you know, what inspired you guys to start this event? It seems like it's a big event you guys hold every year. There's a history of um, craft trails and craft tours and open studio weekends that have happened all around the country. Mm-hmm. And um, we, the, the Maine Craft Association may have done um, some types of those in, in the past. And in 2012, we started thinking towards doing like a really, a really serious one, an annual one statewide. and um, to, to meet kind of an interest we were hearing from artists and to serve some of the, just to have a better reach for our organization. It's a, exactly what it says, a statewide tour of Maincraft studios, businesses, and events. Maincraft Association is the umbrella for hundreds potentially of smaller events that are run by the individual artists. And then we promote their events and then their the events are held at the artist's studio or or sometimes non-craft businesses will do a craft event so we're really open and flexible and looking for people to be creative with it and there's we have a uh, featured cities we aren't doing that this year but normally we do where we work with a downtown to have a number of events in one location and um, so we have that type of thing. We might go to a town and be able to stay in that town and just zip all around. Or we have an artist that's like way out on the end of a dirt road and you one would travel all the way out just to go to that one thing and have kind of a unique experience and see the artist's studio and potentially demonstrations and kind of get to know about materials and practices and, and a little bit about the life of an artist. Right. So the, the thought process behind it was that to, 
further allow MCA to support artists in their location and from um, artists and audiences really in rural, urban, and downtown locations. With our retail locations, for example, they need to be in high traffic locations. So we like to balance that out with having opportunities in retail locations and opportunities that people can participate without having to travel all the way to Portland, for example. Mm -hmm. um, also, it's a really great scenario for an artist to sell work from their studio because they're there, they don't have to pay a booth fee, they don't have to pay a consignment percentage to somebody else, they don't have to ship the work. Um, it's just a good kind of return on investment there. So, and most artists, that's not feasible all the time. They don't want people in and out of their studio on a daily basis. So we help on a concentrated way get a bunch of people there on the same day. It also builds community from artists often will collaborate with each other or just some people in a town will go and visit an artist that's their neighbor that they've never even visited before. Mm -hmm. um, just in a way to like get people kind of to cross pollinate and get to know people in their community or travel to a different community. Um, I usually pick a different region every year and I try to pick one that I don't know as well uh, and go just learn, I learn about the area and I have all these, you know, five or six destinations over the weekend. And then in general, it, um, we hope that it builds kind of the economy in a creative way. People are visiting studios. They also need to get a bite to eat. They may do an overnight stay. They may engage in other activities. Um, our goal is to make this and it's becoming that way. We've been up, we've been at it. This is our eighth year. We want it to be like a big annual event on the calendar that people are thinking about like Common Ground Fair and other, other events that are just, you know, it's coming, you look forward to it, you plan around it. And for both people, um, locals and people um, coming from out of state into Maine. And we get a lot of, we do a lot of surveying and, and um, collecting data afterwards. And we do find that a lot of people come from out of state to visit the studios. Much of that is thanks to um, help from the Maine Office of Tourism. Um, they, they certainly put a lot of effort into getting um, out of state folks into Maine. I know that's complicated this year, but uh, they've helped us, they helped us grow the event with funding and um, we did a lot of marketing out of state um, in the early years and we continue some of those even getting a little bit less. That was kind of seed funding to do that. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, we have the featured cities which are kind of concentrated versions and those help, um, those are a great way for us to work with the downtown communities, especially ones that have the Main Street designation and they have a staff person and we kind of give them this ready to go structure for an event and teach them how to do it and we market it for them and um, they can usually get a lot of people on board and make it kind of a bustling day in their in their town with a art and craft focus. So tell me a little bit more about uh, the partnerships behind uh, Minecraft Weekend and just your association. Sure, we did a, a pilot year in 2013 and uh, which went great and we sort of integrated it onto our website and then by 2014 we were really ready to grow the event and we connected with Maine Made and they have a huge network of artists and we were able to create um, a system where all of their members and all of our members were 
getting all the same information and could participate without any kind of fees, which made the network of artists just much, much larger. And they also have um, a lot of resources for getting, getting the word out as being part of the, um, the state government system. Uh, so they have been integral to the event's success since the beginning. And then we've added on other partners, um, more on the media side, Artscope Magazine has been supportive for several years. Down East Magazine has been a sponsor since the very beginning. We consider all of our uh, featured cities sponsors because they, um, they help uh, promote the, uh, a number of events as well. And then each year, different businesses come on and support the event in different ways. But uh, Main Made, Down East have been um, part of it since the beginning, and we've just um, that that network of support and partnership and reach that we all bring together has really uh, helped the event uh, become established. I appreciate you guys organizing an event like this because I think it truly needs to happen and spreading the word of these craftspeople as well as getting out-of-staters to understand what Maine is all about when it comes to craft. Now, what are you guys doing this year? Because I know it's a little bit different than what you guys have done in the past. Can you touch on uh, what you guys will be um, helping to promote for this year's event? Sure. Yeah. So we are anticipating or, and I've already noticed that artists um, aren't able to necessarily commit to something or plan something um, really far out. And by the time that event comes, they might need to do it in a different way. Um, same, you know, we feel the same thing with our craft shows. So to accommodate for that, we didn't have any deadlines for registering and we, we aren't creating the listings on our site so that we don't have to put our time into creating them and then changing them or deleting them. Basically we are doing an all, uh, our marketing all on social media and promoting what the artists come up with. So we're kind of calling it a DIY Minecraft weekend. The artists create their event, they plan it themselves, they get it up onto social media, and at that point, we share it and reshare it and put it across our different platforms. But they don't have to worry about contacting us constantly to keep updating it or canceling it or changing it. Um, so instead of driving traffic to our website, the minecraftweekend.org website for um, visitors to find all the listings, we're just keeping it all over on social media where it's a little bit more fluid. Great. Um, I've been keeping tabs on what you guys have been posting on your social media, and I, I look forward to hearing more about what other craftspeople are doing. And uh, speaking of what um, craftspeople are doing for this event, um, Emily, can you tell me um, first uh, about a little about yourself, what your role is uh, with this event, as well as being Crafts Association, and tell us about um, a little bit about these five makers that we're doing in this interview series. Hi, sure. Um, my name is Emily Schaefer. Um, I've been with MCA, I think, for four years. Sadie, I hope that's correct. Um, I started out as an intern and then I um, graduated to an employee. I'm now a um, program coordinator. Um, and I've been working on Minecraft Weekend since basically I started as an employee. Um, so it's been really great to see this program grow over the years um, and evolve into this big event. Um, 
And I'm also a jeweler, a studio jeweler. So um, I've actually participated in the event myself for a few years, um, whether it be at someone else's um, larger event or having my own open studio. So I can say firsthand like how um, I, I see both sides of it. And it's always been awesome from both sides. Um, and what Sadie said was totally true. It's like, I don't want people in my studio all the time. It's kind of a private studio, but to have it concentrated on that one weekend um, is pretty special. So, and I definitely have relationships from that I, with customers from that specific weekend. Um, so it's really cool. Um, and I'm really excited that you're interviewing five participants this year. Yeah. So why don't uh, you tell me a little bit about uh, Linda uh, up in Ellsworth, I believe. Uh, tell me a little bit more about her and what she does. Yeah. Um, so Linda and her husband, Ken Perrin, um, they have a gorgeous studio in Ellsworth, Maine. Um, I've actually participated in their events in the past there as an artist. Um, and they are glass artists and glass blowers. Um, they have this amazing um, brick building where they have um, public friendly um, glass blowing. Um, so they open it up for that weekend. There's a big garage door. Um, their business is called Atlantic Art Glass. And I know like typically they do like pumpkin glass blowing, mm -hmm. um, which kids love, adults love, and it's always this big, beautiful presentation. So, and then the other thing about them is that they, their Atlantic Art Glass has kind of evolved into this organization called Artsworth, um, which is their organization that's focused on sharing and providing opportunities with the um, Ellsworth community. So as part of the weekend, a lot of times they have other artists come there and sell their work or demonstrate um, different. They have a metalsmithing setup. Um, they have a bunch of different kinds of kilns. And then there's also a brewery downstairs. Hogtown Brewery. So you can go down and have a drink afterward. Wow, that sounds like an amazing experience. And I look forward to chatting with Linda a little bit more about her story and just the whole studio. Now, how about um, Jody Johnstone in uh, Swansville, I believe, right? Yes, Jody Johnstone um, is a potter in Swansville, Maine. Um, I actually just went to her property a couple weeks ago for like an outdoor event. Mm. Um, and it is amazing. I cannot wait to see the photos. Um, she's got a um, wood fire kiln, a showroom, and her home is on the property, and it's all spread out, and there's wildflower, uh, wildflowers everywhere. Um, and I know that the Belfast community, um, specifically the Belfast Clay Studio, a lot of times fire their pots there. Mm -hmm. um, so when I moved to this area, um, everybody immediately said, do you know Jody?" <laughs> So she's a kind of a staple here and I'm really excited to hear more. Yeah, um, same here. I, I've heard about this uh, wood fire kiln. I've seen it all over her website and I'm so excited to learn more about how she built that. It's crazy. And uh, so, and I believe heading down a little bit more South Lemington um, at Dole's Orchard with Emily. So tell me a little bit more about her. Yes. yes so Emily um, is a really active member of MCA. Um, she has also participated in several Minecraft weekends. So they have a family farm and wood shop and it's called Dole's Orchard. Mm -hmm. And um, I know a lot of times they have really um, kid-friendly events where um, they have demonstrations of the lasers that um, I guess like engrave the boxes and totes that they mm -hmm. create in the wood shop. Oh, so wow. I have no idea what that looks like. I would love to see that demonstration one day. Yeah. Um, but they also, um, with the orchard, 
have um, apple and raspberry picking and then I'll have hot cider and donuts. And mm -hmm. I don't know what their event's going to look like this year, but it's always exciting to see that come together. <laughs> Emily, you're going to have to go down there for Maine Craft Weekend to check it out. <laughs> I know, pumpkin donuts. I know. No pressure, Emily, but I don't <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then how about Gemma? I heard she's an amazing, amazing potter and she's in Monson, Maine? Yes, which I have never been. Um, but I've talked to Gemma many times, and she's also a really active member of MCA. Um, her work is really contemporary mm -hmm. and different. So um, I'm, I, I'm just really excited to see that in your photos as well. Um, and she's got a really large pottery workshop where she's got several kilns and uh, wheels and relating equipment where um, she teaches. Um, and she typically has like demonstrations and she allows visitors to give it a go. Um, and she also has an exhibition space upstairs. And from the photo that I've seen, the space is really open and airy and um, just really cool. Yeah, so. it's, it's near Moosehead Lake, I believe, right? And I've never been up in that area and I've heard it's remarkable and so beautiful. Totally. And the last uh, uh, maker is um, Jeff with Al Furniture up in Stonington. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about him. Yeah. Um, so his studio and showroom, he also has a showroom there, right? It's kind of not right next to the water, but it's near the water in Stonington. Mm -hmm. I'm actually sitting on one of his owl stools right now. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love his furniture. He's got this line, this ergonomic line, which mm -hmm. I love that word, ergonomic, ergonomic. <laughs> um, of owl stools that really um, focus on, I mean, he'll tell you all about it better than I can, but like <laughs> I'm sitting up straight in this chair, like much easier than a regular stool. And there's a reason for that. Wow. Um, and he's, he's a really amazing craftsman too. And he's got this incredible line of fine furniture, specifically tables. Um, so yeah, he's a really, he's a really active member as well. And I'm really excited for his interview. Yeah, great. It'll be the first one to kick off the series. So thank you so much, ladies, for telling me more about the association as well as this great event. I'm so honored uh, to be uh, a media partnership um, with this event. And I look forward to hearing more about what's going on with this event this year and then future events to come. Join us later today as we start releasing our five-part Minecraft's Weekend interview series. And we hope to see you virtually or in person in a social distance setting at Minecraft's Weekend on October 3rd and 4th. Thank you all again and stay safe and healthy.